0: Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by The Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the game industry. Visit us online at indiegame.business to get your free pass to our next digital event coming December 8th, 9th, and 10th, where you'll have more great sessions you can participate in for free. And inexpensive passes to our industry-leading digital business to business meeting system also make sure to donate to extra life we've got a link down below in the description or you can even join the indie game business extra life team that link is down in the description as well here we go indie game business
1: Hi, everybody. This is Andrew Tracy from the Tracy Brothers, and I have Corey Tracy here with me as well.
2: Hey, everybody. We're going to be giving a talk today about the Kickstarter best practices that that we have developed as a team doing three Kickstarters. So first, we want to talk about what we think the goals for a game dev Kickstarter are. Uh, Different campaigns, uh, making different things may have different goals. But I think if you're making a game, there's three things you're really trying to do. You're trying to build community. Uh, That, we think, is the first and most important thing you're trying to do. You're trying to build a community around this game dev project. Uh, Another thing that the Kickstarter is going to do is create hype. Um, that's going to get you in the press. It's going to get you on social media. It's going to get people potentially talking about watching and sharing your game idea, game uh, prototype. Um, and then, you know, every Kickstarter campaign does have a, a small chance of just completely going viral um, and reaching a huge audience. So you have that uh, that chance um, from a hype perspective as well. And then third, uh, Kickstarter campaigns raise money. Uh, this is important, but it isn't necessarily going to be the most valuable thing you're going to get out of the Kickstarter. You know, you're going to spend all that money pretty quick. You're going to buy yourself your game. You're going to pay off your campaign debt. uh, You're going to, you know, that money is going to go away really quickly. The hype in the community though, potentially uh, can last a lot longer. So uh, Andrew and I have been running campaigns. We've done three uh, all for games um, and, We've backed a ton of campaigns and we've participated in other campaigns as a collaborator or an advisor. Um, And we've talked to a lot of other backers about what's worked for them, what hasn't worked. Um, We've been the shoulder for some campaigns to cry on, uh, and we've helped some (laughs) campaigns like um, find their way. So these uh, best practices come from that process of being part of the Kickstarter community running campaigns, talking to uh, campaign creators and collaborators that work on campaigns. So it's important to remember that uh, Kickstarter has a long life cycle. Uh, It is not just the uh, exciting 30 days of funding. There is a pre-campaign and a post-campaign phase. And it's really important uh, that you apply your best practices to the whole life cycle. so that you are you are excelling ahead of the campaign, during the campaign, and after the campaign to really maximize your ability to achieve those three goals. Building hype, building community, and raising money. So before the campaign, you need to be expanding your audience, preparing your campaign. Um, during the campaign, you're going to be deploying updates, running your ads, participating on social media, and so forth. And then after the campaign, you're going to be managing your late backers, delivering your rewards, uh, managing upgrades, and so forth.
1: For, uh, from our reference, for the three campaigns that we've run, we've kind of kept a ticker of the, the total elapsed time that a campaign has taken us to start, prepare, launch, fund, and then complete and deliver the rewards. And by our metric, we have spent five to six years on average per campaign. That sounds probably very long, but it's an important thing to be realistic about how long of a commitment you are signing up for. And you have a lot of community, and especially communities built around Kickstarters, are hanging on your ability to deliver that support throughout the entire cycle. Um, So when you're looking at campaign, it's important to kind of realize that what you see, if you go to kickstarter.com, you see really the tip of an iceberg. That page with a beautiful video in there their funding number. It seems amazing, but there is a huge amount of that uh, ice under the water that you probably can't see um, that's work before and after the campaign.
2: So with that in mind, that if you run a campaign, you have a lot of commitment to your backers and potentially years of commitment to the community. Um, It's important that you follow best practice and you don't get yourself into it into things that you can't deliver on or put yourself in a place where, you know, you're delivering at personal expense. So one of the really important things to do is be realistic. You have to be realistic about how much a Kickstarter campaign actually costs. Those polished campaigns you see on the website are, were not free. They did not build themselves. Uh, A money, a substantial amount of money was spent before the campaign was launched to make it look that way, to make it, to make it so beautiful and polished. And you, we, you know, as a campaign creator, you have to be realistic about what you can afford to invest and what your funding level is um, and how they match up. Uh, and you also have to be real. So you have to be realistic about the cost of the campaign as a whole, and you have to be realistic about the cost of each reward. Um, you have to really think about how much, uh, each reward's really going to cost you.
1: So for us, what we found is that for digital games, for video games, so this is certainly different in other genres where you're looking at more physical uh, campaigns. But for digital video games, uh, you're looking at like 15 to 25 percent of what you may raise. You should consider as part of the will be part of the cost of the preparation, the content creation, the video, the advertising that you'll want to do during the campaign, Uh, you need that money up front, in order to be able to run the best possible campaign. So what we have also found, again, is that you need to be realistic, but you also need to be ready. Kickstarters are a very wild and special ride uh it's a most campaigns and we would recommend a 30-day window most campaigns will run for about 30 days and during that time by our time tracking metrics you the the employees the team members that are uh directly involved in the kickstarter get another full-time job so we found that we are generally doubling our normal hour commitment during that 30-day window it's a non-stop grind um to talk to backers to write Uh, updates to do all sorts of things. So there's a lot of planning you can do to mitigate that, but be realistic and ready that when it starts, it won't stop for 30 days. And it's a it can feel pretty uh, desperate that you need to be there working to bring pleasures in and keep and keep the community happy. Um, So that's important because it may have big effects on your your the rest of your day job and your priorities. Uh, You may find that other things that you were doing on a day-to-day basis suddenly are not, don't feel anywhere near as important or need to take a back burner, a spot on a back burner. And if you can think about that in in advance and plan for it, it's a lot less um, troublesome. A lot less stressful. A lot less stressful. I think for our first Kickstarter, we really didn't understand how, uh, how nonstop it would be. And all of our other games pretty much you know, we had at the time i think four other games that were live and running and making revenue all of those other games you know really took a bit of a nosedive because we just disappeared from those communities we were there as much as we could be but it was night and day from before the kickstarter and after the kickstarter so pre-plan what your priorities are where you spend expend, expect to spend time and uh, estimate that you're going to spend an immense amount of time on your Kickstarter.
2: And with that in mind, um, it can be really important to, to be prepared to pre-build and pre-write as much as you can. Um, pre-writing, pre-recording updates for your campaign can help you be really prepared and can help you mitigate some of that uh, time crunch. So you're going to be doing a full-time job of talking to backers, managing the campaign, answering comments, responding to emails and everything else, having things that are already packaged and done and you can show up on Tuesday and say, all right, here's the update. It's finished. We don't have to do anything. It's beautiful. It has all the artwork. We just push it out to Kickstarter that can make the whole thing run a lot smoother. And having that preparation can let you be flexible in ways that you wouldn't be able to be flexible without it. Sometimes crazy things happen in the middle of a campaign. Um, There's a press opportunity to give a demo that you wouldn't have had. Uh, We were invited uh, to go to PAX uh, like mid-campaign. We got this invitation, hey, come to PAX, show your game off. It was a huge opportunity for us. um, And we had to add that to our plan. We couldn't say, all right, we're going to go to PAX. We're not going to finish the Kickstarter. We're going to go to PAX. We're not going to do any more (laughs) updates. You know, we had to go to PAX and do everything else that the plan said we had to do. So having things ready and being prepared gives you the ability to do that.
1: Also, you're going to get uh, curveballs thrown at you from within your community um, so, and I think having a plan, being prepared with your plan and knowing your, what you are willing to do is super important. You're going to get backers coming to you with crazy ideas, requests for platforms you didn't think you wanted to expect, um, all sorts of things that people are asking for. And if you, if you can stick to the plan that you prepared... Then you will avoid agreeing to things that you are out of your scope, stuff you never wanted to do or never planned to do, and sort of letting your project become something that is not on the plan and the budget that you had pre-prepared. So I think that's an important part of being prepared is to have your vision and kind of make sure that you're sticking to it uh, so that you don't get sucked off by one or two backers who ask for you to support, you know... uh, Something that you hadn't planned, or a new feature that they think, "Oh, what if you added farming to this game? you're like, but it's a tactical cyberpunk RPG, We're like, but farming will back you, two of us, you know you can really get sucked into things that really aren't what you are trying to create if you're not careful um, in those 30 days
2: and so it's, it's important to be prepared, and it's also important to be patient. Uh, we we often say Andrew and I say don't rush to Kickstarter, don't rush it. Um,
1: I think the a big thing here I was uh, you can go to Kickstarter too early. That's really easy to do. You can go with a concept art or vision, a, a little playable prototype. It's actually quite hard to go to Kickstarter too late. You could, you could have your game 80% of the way done and say, hey, let's kickstart this. I really I can show everybody exactly what we're doing. We just need money to make the art more beautiful or finish the story or double the level count or whatever. But you can go so early. And it's not that you won't fund. Uh, Corey and I went too early on our first two projects. We might have gone too early on Cyber Nights. But you always look back at them and say, like, oh, I wish we had had more time to prepare. I wish we had taken a little more time. Heroes of Steel, our very first project, was with concept art and a vision only and nothing else. Uh, And that was definitely reduced our overall fund. We should have waited. And the
2: community we were able to build. Yeah, And the amount of hype we were able to generate.
1: All of the things, not just the money. I think that's very important to keep in mind. So you can go too early. It's quite hard to go too late.
2: And it's important to remember that Kickstarter is not a new thing. Kickstarter backers have been on the big ones and the ones that you'll need to make your campaign a success are have been on the platform. You probably won't be their first campaign. Um, They're pretty savvy. They 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 know how this works uh, and they understand the risk. You know, they can sort of translate page page into risk level. Um, and the riskier pages, the less complete it is, the the more backers will just pass you by because they're looking for something that has a reasonable chance of succeeding. So while you're being patient, it's also important to keep some secrets. Uh, you do not want to show everything when you launch. It'll be tempting to go out all out, you know, fire everything on launch day. Um, you really want to have some things that you keep back. You want to hide your stretch goals um, for a couple of different reasons. Uh, And you want to hold content back for the updates. Um, You want to have community initiatives that you're going to launch in the middle of the campaign. So when you fund, the nicest thing you can do for your community is give them new milestones to think about. So you hit that funding goal, then you release your stretch goals. That's like a whole nother launch day you get that whole hype rebuild with the community because now you've said, all right, we've hit our funding goal. Here's what we have in mind for the rest of the game. And you can also, you know, if you don't show it too early, you can tune it. You can learn some things uh, before you show it off about your campaign trajectory. Um, And likewise, you want to have some things that are hidden kept back for updates. there, there's some secrets are good, right, Andrew?
1: Yes, uh, some secrets are good, but there are certain secrets you should never keep. Uh, never keep your campaign a secret. It's not a cool surprise. Tell everybody. Tell everybody well in advance. Tell them a year in advance. Tell your entire community what you're planning to do. Show them the page. Show them the rewards. Ask them if that's what they want. Like talk to them. To make sure they know when we ran our first campaign in 2013. We made the mistake of keeping it a secret. We were like, There's something big coming, get ready! What a mistake. Uh, there were members of the community who were saying to us, I wish you had told us you were going to run a campaign, I would have saved a bunch of money, and I can only pledge $10 today. <laughs> so, we you know, the and you just aren't able to build up the hype if you aren't sharing that literally share the date and the hour that the campaign will launch because you want all of the people there on that date and hour racing to click and be the first to fund we know the community member who is the first to fund for cyber nights what a cool honor everyone was waiting you want that effect so some secrets are good don't ever keep your campaign a secret
2: And as you build your campaign, have partners. Uh, I don't think we can stress enough how much uh, building a group of partners that we can rely on has improved our Kickstarter campaigns and our odds of funding and hitting stretch goals. Um, so don't try to go it alone with a Kickstarter campaign. Um, you know, you every studio is different. You have different talents, different team members that have their different um, niche uh, abilities and skill sets. So what your studio can cover versus our studio may be different, but what we needed was uh, a video team. We don't have uh, a professional videographer on the team. We don't have a film editor on the team. So we needed a uh, a, a real video team that, that had experience with shooting, lighting, editing, mixing, and mastering uh, something like a Kickstarter video. So you know, that was one of our first partner choices. Um, another really important partner choice that you should be thinking about is a PR team. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a wide spectrum of costs and quality. Um, a good PR team will help you craft your message. Uh, a bad PR team is going to retweet you or post your campaign on a couple of social media networks run by bots. Um, and you know, there, they will all approach you, uh, if you put your campaign out and you don't have um, a good set of partners picked out before you launch. So uh, another partner is Backerkit. Um, we've had a really good success with them. Other pledge management uh, partners are also really viable. Uh, it's important though, I think that you have a partner that's going to help you with the post campaign phase. Um, it can be very daunting for first time creators. You funded Kickstarter gives you the money, you pay some bills, and then you get a an email, like, Hey, how do I get my rewards? You know, and you're going to get that email pretty quick. Uh, and having a, having an answer in a process and a survey system and a, like a timeline and a schedule really helps you put your backers at ease, especially if you're a first time campaign, first time creator, having something set up and run by a professional partner that knows the life cycle of, of a Kickstarter can really help put your backers at ease after you fund. And reduce a lot of churn and negative comments and stuff
1: this having partners comes back to the the costs in advance of kickstarter um all these things are going to cost you money in advance of running the kickstarter at all which may feel risky but i think it's an important time to gut check for yourself do you believe that what we're creating will fund and if you believe that it's going to fund and you you uh then you're going to have to spend this money up front to be able to achieve your full potential. If you think you might fund and you don't know, then maybe you would choose not to do this. But if you really do think you have a good idea that can fund, invest the money in advance. And if you are having a moment with that gut check, maybe you should be patient. Maybe now is the time to wait longer, make sure that you get something that's more fundable that you would be willing to spend this money on upfront to ensure that success. If you have something good, Kickstarter will love it, but you have to bring these things to the table.
2: And when you, you know, some of these uh, best practices will revolve around after you funded or while you're funding and rewards of scale is one of those best practices that I think falls into that category. If you do everything else right, follow all the other best practices and your rewards don't scale, you can put yourself in a bad situation. You can ruin your project. So what scaling rewards mean is you're going to be able to pay for them and you know the full cost to produce 10 of them, 100 of them, 1,000 of them, or 10,000 of them. Um, And if you have a plan that covers making 100 and you go viral and Kickstarter delivers you 1,000 or 5,000 backers at that tier, it can really throw things out of whack. If you were planning on putting these together yourself in your basement and you were going to, you know, buy a hundred tubes and send out maybe a hundred of them, and now you have to do 5,000, it's like, it's an entirely different thing. So you really have to think about reward scaling. Um, and if necessary, use reward limits, uh, to protect yourself. Um, physical rewards are particularly dangerous for this, uh, like shipping and you can, that stuff can add up so fast. You have to think like, I'm going to ship this, but you have to get the tube, the tape to hold the tube shut. You have to reorder the tubes when they're too short. You have to remember that you have to print all that postage. You have to like actually drive it to the post office. The post office like sends it all back to your house. Cause it's a wrong size. Like that stuff can spiral out of control very quickly, uh, and cost you a lot of money. Um, creative... yes, oh, Go ahead.
1: Yeah, there are the costs aren't only money as well. I think uh, you really want to, especially when it comes to games, one of the things that backers love the most and are some of the most enticing rewards are creative rewards where they get to join the game in some way or help you create some aspect of the game or make a mission or make a character, um, have some part of them, their head, uh, an outfit encoded into the game's artwork. And these can all have... Uh, surprising hidden costs, that hours, hours of time sunk into um, trying to complete them. So, you know, we have found even in our latest Kickstarter, having done this three times, that there were places uh, when it came to the 3D art that we were offering our backers that we have the margin was so painfully thin, and uh, way more people than we thought were going to back a certain reward tier backed it and. You know, we're we're right on that line of like, did we make any money with those uh, assets, the art that we had to create for them, which is awesome because it's building up the game, but also, you know, had we better estimated the full extent of the cost all the way through the life cycle of these rewards, we would have been able to set something more realistic uh, so that that would work out better for us. It's just an unexpected surprise, and that's never the type of surprise you want to end up with. Um,
2: and that was one of the things that you know, if we'd had ten or fifteen of them, uh, would have been great. The margin would have been thin, but it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. And we would have gotten it done in a week. You get a couple hundred, all of a sudden, you're like, "Oh, this is going to be really painful because we're going to make and you know, we're going to spend all the money we raised on this reward tier on just that 3D asset, and you know, and it's going to take us months uh, with the art team to get all of these done. So mm-hmm. that you really have to think like maybe that maybe we should have put a limit on that and said that ten. you know. There's 10 10 people can go in. Yeah. I mean, that would have been amazing. (laughs) But one of the things about reward tiers is once someone selects them, you can't change them anymore. So uh, that's one of the things about being patient and preparing and really thinking about your campaign before you put it out there because it locks you in. Uh, It also,
1: uh, just to touch on that, there's a, especially with rewards, this is the touchiest thing for backers. This is where a backer has their happiness factors directly tied to your reward it's kind of you know if you're making a video game then the number one reward a lot of people care about is did you deliver an amazing video game is
2: the game fun
1: the game fun and so every backer is probably going to have that their, their happiness with your campaign is tied to that that reward. When it comes to some of these uh, other rewards, people have art books and uh, their face goes in the game or they get to make a mission and you're going to run up into situations where you know you didn't expect it, but a certain backer wants a lot out of their mission, maybe a, way more than you ever thought could come out of their mission. So uh, important to kind of try to set bounds and communicate with big backers early or people who have creative rewards you can find that you are have a backer who to keep them happy, which is very important when you're working in Kickstarter, because you're building a community, uh, you have to that's where a cost comes from. You didn't expect to have to go revise that head or add an extra section of that mission. But you know what? If I don't do it, this backer is gonna, you know, not be a happy backer. And to be honest, it's one of the goals of every good Kickstarter campaign is you should have every backer you can should be happy. So that's and where some extra costs can come from.
2: Sometimes that percentage of happy backers comes at different phases. And one of them can be saying no to creative rewards um, and being clear with people. Like we've had this happen during campaigns where people say, I, I pledged a considerable amount of money for this creative reward. Here's my idea. It's a 10 page book that they send you. That is totally outside of your vision, outside of your universe includes all sorts of stuff that, uh, doesn't have anything to do with your campaign they say hey I'm gonna give you thousands of dollars to add all this stuff and you realize at that point you're never gonna make them happy because that isn't gonna mesh with your campaign you I really hope you, I hope
1: you realize this yeah
2: <laughs> yeah hopefully hopefully you realize that and you think like this this backer will it will never be happy because I our campaign and their vision, their story, their novel, their characters don't don't fit together. You have to say no, and we've we've done that. It's been painful. We've had people pull four figure, you know, campaign donations out of Kickstarter because we couldn't say yes to their creative rewards. You have to be able to do that, um, or it can really wreck your project, uh, and you can end up um, way off script and uh, you know in trouble on cost or backer happiness like anderson so another thing uh, that you should be planning to do we believe is planning to stretch um stretch goals are key to keeping your kickstarter campaign fresh in the mid in the middle of the campaign um and used correctly they're going to keep your your campaign flowing it's going to drive comments it's going to motivate the all-important pledge upgrade um we see really key success indicators and how many uh, backers you're able to upgrade from your minimum tier to enhanced tiers after they pledge. So campaigns that convert upgrades do better uh, than campaigns that don't. And we've seen that in our campaigns, other people's campaigns, the data you can see um, that's been published about other people's campaigns, those upgrades, those pledge increases Are often driven by stretch goals and are a key indicator of people's desire to promote and improve and support the project. So,
0: are you looking for a publisher for your game? Well, we have something special just for you. It's the most comprehensive listing of PC, console, and mobile publishers in the industry. Over 700 companies sorted by platform with links to their websites. You can get the list at www.powellgroupconsulting.com slash publisher list, and you can get it for free. Check it out.
2: The stretch goals are really important. I think if you said, I'm sure we can raise $200,000, like that's our estimate, uh, you would want to aim at $100,000 for your your campaign funding. And that gives you some padding. And it also lets you have the back half of your project be all stretch goals, which you, of course, are planning ahead and know the cost of and intend to deliver anyway.
1: Of course, it's really important to make sure that your funding goal actually covers what you promised. So plan to stretch, but make sure that you're not... If you say we can do it with a hundred, make sure that you can do it with a hundred, and then include in your plan like upwards of two hundred and stretch goals out to there. Know what you would do if the community gets super hyped. Um, that also helps with the funding faster aspect. You know, if you if you say, well, I think we could raise two hundred, let's put it at two hundred and push it, push it, push it. Um, you may, you know, crawl across that line in the last days of the campaign, feeling like you're like rolling in broken glass. And it's, you know, very difficult. And the, and the hype com- might get there. Community
2: but community is stressed. You're yeah, stressed. Yes, Backers are worried that it's not going to fund. Like, it's not a pleasant experience. You don't so want to be barely funded. Funding
1: fast is good but funding instantly or on the first day isn't particularly necessary. But don't, you know, don't set yourself something that will fund you on day 30. No one, including your community who will be very stressed. No one needs that stress.
2: You don't need it. Your community doesn't need it. Uh, your partners don't need it. Like just aim to fund in the middle third, first third of the project, you'll be happy. Um, so Part of that is having, part of funding early, funding quickly is having a really good first day. Kickstarter campaigns that are working have a really strong beginning. They have a middle period that's okay, and then they have a really strong end. So this like U-shaped thing. And part of that is the beginning is you. The end is Kickstarter. If your campaign runs well, uh, you'll get a bunch of followers and Kickstarter will give you some end of the campaign traffic. You have to bring your own backers for the first day. Um, Kickstarter has a ton of projects, limited space on the front page. They only have so many slots in the search results. They only feature so many campaigns. There's a lot of categories. There's a lot of games. There's a lot of great campaigns. Gone are the days where you can just like plop a Kickstarter campaign down, kick back and get a million views. You can't plan to succeed on Kickstarter traffic alone. You need to bring your own backers. So that's part of why we believe that well-run Kickstarter campaigns have a pre-campaign phase there. That's part of your build your backer list. It's your mailing list. It's your discord. It's your pledges. It's your people who are interested in the campaign and you can bring them on day one. Like Andrew said earlier, you're going to tell them we're launching on Tuesday in six months on noon, like this day, you know, whatever day it is, you're going to tell them it's going to go live at noon come with us, be early, back with us immediately. Um, and uh, and those will be the backers you bring for your for your great first day. If you bring a swarm of backers, Kickstarter will see the traffic. They'll see how much excitement you're getting. And that will earn you places on the, the limited lists for features and, and everything else. Um, if you don't, you're just playing a lottery that they pick you because... You look cool. They, yeah. You look cool. You maybe have a good page and they're like, well, this might have a shot. We'll give it a chance on the front page. You don't want to be in that situation where you're just hoping you want to bring your own backers, have a strong first day, get a bunch of follows and let uh, let momentum finish the campaign for you.
1: There was a question during Agnes, the last talk in the last hour about, "I've you know, we're an unknown studio that doesn't have a game yet. And can we run a Kickstarter? And I think this applies, especially to those cases don't think that you have to have a game or a track record to start building community. You have a concept. You have a vision. You have something you can share. You might have concept art. You have to have something before the campaign. You can build a community without a game. Get Find the 100 people who are excited about your idea. Get them to tell a friend. Work on building up your backer list regardless of what you have in advance. Do not go to Kickstarter unknown. That's like a position. My answer to that question would be No. Go and get known. Go and find a community first. Don't don't do this without. Just as Corey said, playing the lottery, the Kickstarter will pick you and make you a viral hit, because that's a bad lottery.
2: You know, and the, like Andrew said, it can be as simple as you're gonna have to make. You're gonna have to if you're gonna do this, you're gonna have to make an investment. You're gonna have to can't have a campaign page that's gonna have artwork and video stuff on it. Those are the resources you need to build your community. So as you put your campaign, don't keep it a secret. Build your community with that with that artwork, with that, with that prototype, with that. And it doesn't have to be a huge number. You don't have to scale Everest for your first campaign. Get 100 people to say, I'm going to try and back this project. If you can get 100 people to say, I'm interested, that is a huge opportunity over just throwing it out on Kickstarter and you know, giving it a shot. If you you can get a hundred people on the first day to back it at some level. Uh, that's you know, night and day. Yeah, that's, that's night and day difference yeah. in terms of your, like, and it, and I think if Kickstarter did the analysis, people that bring a hundred backers, the odds of you succeeding is phenomenally higher. Like, yeah. phenom- like off the charts, phenomenally higher
1: because you yeah you'll you'll have the the psychology of Kickstarter is very strong if i show up on a, a kickstarter that has six backers and it's mm-hmm. three days in or 20 or 40 backers and it's six days in you say oh i mm, i don't know you know everybody wants to get in on the one that's cooking with the 250 backers and where they are going to hit some stretch goals and i'm going to get extra stuff and it's going to be so cool uh so bring your own people make that first day big yourself you can do it and and you know i think it's important and to also bring friends and family. If you're, you know, if it's really your first time doing a Kickstarter, don't be shy, bugging friends and family to give you a dollar. Be one of your first backers. Just give me a dollar, and up my backer count. That's a very viable thing to help a, a, a fledgling campaign. I think for you know, for us, we've run three camp- Kickstarters. We were happy on the first that we got support from friends and family, small five $1 pledges. The second campaign, we did not ask friends and family to jump in and help us. And the third one we were off, you know, it's 20, 60, 250. You had this, you know, you don't have to go big for your first campaign. Build a track record. If you have no game, kickstart a small project, make it successful, publish it yourself, get, you know, build a community from there and think about coming back with the track record. You don't always have to Come from nothing. You can you know, start small. It's uh, good advice.
2: Yeah, I mean, don't spend three years trying to build a million dollar campaign, yeah. right? Run three campaigns, one a year, and maybe your third one will be a million dollar campaign, or maybe your fourth one will, or whatever. But you know, <laughs> deliver don't, d- deliver on your promises, and that'll help a lot. And I think there's you know, there's a lot to be said for aiming for goals you think you can get. If you believe you can raise $5,000 to build uh, this, this game and release it, that's a very viable thing to do. It will build you a community, it will set you a track record, you'll have a funded campaign on Kickstarter. You know, small goals, when achieved, can result in really powerful things down the road. Um, And it's really important, wherever you are in this phase, uh, pre campaign, during the campaign, post campaign, not to go quiet. Um, You have to have good pacing and you have to have consistent messaging.
1: So during the campaign our recommendation is that you would we like 30 days and so over the 30 days aim for 20 updates and have as many of them pre-written as you possibly can certainly there's updates about stretch goals and funding and news events that are happening and cool stuff that's going on um that you can't pre-write but write as much content for yourself as you can because you're going to have very little time to sit down and find art and try to record a new video and put together uh, nice big update. Um, updates are your number one way to engage your community. Uh, they're they're shareable on all your channels. They are something that your backers can share, something that get backers excited about uh, pledging. They see something new. They get a chance to learn more about stretch goals. So often a stretch goal list is just like a bunch of punch lists, Dedicate an update to how cool Stretch Goal Cats is, um, et cetera. So there's so much. It's your number one channel to engage your backers and and really is the the face of your campaign. If somebody lands on your campaign, for me, if I'm looking at Kickstarter, check out the video, read a little of the text, check the update roll. Are they busy? Is there something cool going on here? How many people are commenting? You know, it's the activity around your campaign and you want to keep that Happening,
2: so that uh, that yields an update process of about every other day, with some spike in in uh, density at the beginning and the end to match your events and the funding, like the number of backers you have coming to the page. So some of these you can't pre-write, like the we funded one. You're not legally allowed to pre-write that one. <laughs> Um, you have to write that when it occurs, but a whole lot of the rest of it, you can write like final week update. We had that one pre-written, you know, the message is the same. Hey, final week, we're trying to fund slash stretch goals. You know, you write it all and then you have some new artwork and it really is. It's so huge to have these done. Um, I, that's probably my number one best practice. Andrew I don't yeah. know what oh saying. yeah no. I'd be like pre-write your updates and you will There's live nothing
1: nothing worse than being like okay we have enough up- we have to do an update today
2: like but okay. I didn't sleep last night I didn't sleep no, all the, I did was write it's, emails you're it's like, well,
1: midnight like do you think we can get it done yeah you need I new mean,
2: artwork Andrew can you can you all that real fast quick <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes. quick That's visuals
1: a, definitely uh so final thing about never going silent um checklists are super key during this time we'll address that a little bit later but um, have a checklist for your you know if you publish an update on kickstarter that's great that's your hub for Mm -hmm. your backers and all the community that might be coming to kickstarter but there's so many other places where you want to clip bits of that content and share it in a way that's appropriate to the social channel so like you can't you know posting your update directly to twitter is is helpful but it's not The nicest way to go about it. So, you know, clip some GIFs and get a couple of uh, excerpts and link to the thing. Uh, So have a a checklist, uh, have some formatting rules laid out for yourself. You know, if we do an update, we're going to try to do three tweets that have this sort of content in them. Um, And we're also going to put it on Facebook and we're going to, the next day we'll do this with it. So get yourself a checklist so that you don't miss these opportunities. There's so much going on it will be very hard to just keep it all in your head. Um, So checklist that and really hit your marks. So pre-plan that and make sure it happens.
2: Kickstarter can be a thing that can really torture you with regret. Um, You can get 28 days into the campaign and then realize like, Oh, if we had only been posting these to the, you know, to this or put them on steam, why didn't we think about putting them on steam? And it can really drive you nuts. Um, And a checklist thinking about it beforehand, coming up with a plan, working the plan during the campaign can save you those kind of regrets where you're just kicking yourself because you just, you, you know, you talked about it in pre-campaign, you should have been doing it. You just weren't. And you missed all these backers, you know, and we've had that happen and it can really, it can really drive you crazy. So a checklist can help you avoid, uh, avoid that kind of stuff. Um, Reward tiers, another, I think another best practice that, the simpler your reward tiers are, the better. Um, keeping your reward simple makes it very easy for backers to upgrade. You've got level one, you've got level two. There's a gap between them and they understand what they get for level two and from level two to level three and so on. Um, you, have to, you have to have good reward tiers uh, that are simple, easy to understand. You should definitely talk to your community. These aren't things to keep secret. Your community will tell you a lot of what they want. Um, We firmly believe that you should have some introductory rewards and avoid the middle tier uh, pretty much completely. Uh, I think rewards that go up by $5 or $10 at a time, those confuse backers and makes it really hard to keep it simple. I think uh, for every campaign we've run, one, two, three, they just, the reward tiers keep getting simpler. Um, We've joked like... You could take out, you know, you can always take out one more reward tier. Um, like, which one can you take out now? So, uh, the more we talked to um, the community members, uh, the more we understood what rewards were going to be popular. And that really helped us plan the campaign. Um, keeping your reward tiers, I think I just said that, but keeping them secret isn't, um, isn't a great idea.
1: Yeah, I think as Corey was saying, you really want to make sure that you're upping them by significant amounts every time. Um, People get confused by the the little things in the middle. For us, every time we did a campaign, it got more and more clear uh, with our community in advance what people wanted. That is so dependent on your game. And you might have an idea about what you think people want but really your community is going to tell you and if you ask them if you're making a farming simulator maybe you want a radish that has your face on it that you can plant like maybe that's what people want really badly you know so you have to figure out what works for you
2: uh, okay so the last one we're going to do best practices, have a launch procedure uh, this is have a step-by-step for launch day um I think this is really important. Uh, Launch day is going to be crazy. You're going to press go live at 12. There's going to be a whole bunch of things you need to do. Tweets and integrate Google Analytics and turn all these different things on and tell your partners it's live. Write it all down in in like a rocket launch style checklist where you say, all right, 128 minutes, you know, 120 minutes before we... Uh, launch, do this, do this, do this. 90 minutes, do this, do this, do this. 60 minutes, do this, do this, do this. You just go through it and that'll make your launch day a lot less stressful. Um, trying to do that stuff ad hoc can kill you. So you might miss something. Something might go wrong. Write it all out weeks before and then just do it on launch day. You're probably going to be tired anyway.
1: Yeah, we had um, about 120 items on the checklist for Cyber nights launch day it's immense you will miss them if you don't pre-plan it so really make sure that you're that you know what you're doing and then it is love stress you just punch your way down the list did you do this did you do this send that email you know so it's it's super helpful
2: and then the last one is never go silent squared uh when your campaign is over it really begins
1: you know the the as Corey said at the very beginning, the, the goal of a Kickstarter is to get hype and to build a community and to raise some money to finish your project. And all of those things are wrapped up in after. They, it all is hinges on what you do after the campaign is over. Um, so many, you know, every project that I've ever f- funded that went wrong went wrong in stopping doing updates after the campaign. One fashion or another, that post-campaign, uh, updates uh, timely and transparent are so important to keeping your community with you and happy about what you're working on. You know you're exhausted. You've survived 30 days of double time. You're tired, but get back to the update grind. Send yourself calendar reminders. Whatever you have to do to set a schedule that is worthwhile. We would say at least once a month at the at the mm-hmm. slowest and stick to it. No matter how yeah. thin your update. Text might be, just tell them what's going on. You know, the backers are there with you on a journey. That's part of the beauty of Kickstarters. They're part of this creative process, and uh, they don't mind hearing about challenges. But tell them they don't. The one thing that drives a Kickstarter backer crazy, like nothing else, is silence.
2: Then our last slide is this is kind of our uh, our minimum uh, recommended timeline for pre campaign. Um, I think the twenty weeks before the campaign goes live is if you're not working on it a ton, uh, you should probably rethink your schedule. So this is kind of the, the uh, skeleton of the to-do list that we used to plan the 30 weeks before our campaign. So we had a uh, week by week, here's what you have to do. Here's what you have to have done this week, this week, this week. And we just burned our way through it until we got to pressing the go live button on the Kickstarter campaign. So if you plan ahead... Uh, You know, you can have things ready. Trying to rush to a date is going to be a recipe for disaster. So Andrew and I really appreciate uh, everyone that tuned in to listen to us talk about Kickstarter. Uh, I think we might have a minute or two for questions. Maybe. I don't
0: know. Yeah, we're ready for questions, team. Uh, Of course, you know. There we go. Let's get some questions for you guys. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'll go through them and then uh, we can answer what we can answer till time runs out. Perfect. You know, like... Let's see how many are there. I don't even know how many are there. I'm just going to start at the top. Oh, wow. There's a bit. There's a bit. Here we go. Um, And you probably covered this, but what game-related pledge rewards don't work at all?
1: Okay, so that's really dependent upon your game. And I would really recommend that you talk to your community about that. Mm -hmm. There are, um, like we found with our first campaign that you need to check... Make sure you're following the legal lines and terms and conditions about what you're giving away. Um, places like Apple App Store and Google Play like, have restrictions that you can't pay for copies of your game elsewhere and get them on their game. It's been in, you know, uh, on the news recently with Fortnite, but um, that's a big deal. And you have to make sure you're not promising that to backers. So, but I think when it comes to actual game rewards, players want the game. Mm-hmm. And then they want uh, special stuff in the game.
2: Three packs don't work.
1: Don't no. Don't give away more than one copy of the game. Give one copy of the game, mm-hmm. give special stuff in the game. And if you have the opportunity, give ways for players to have more of an impact in the game mm-hmm. create something with you. They
2: want to be a partner. They, that that's the, you know, rewards that exclude people will, will not work. They want to be part of your, they want to be part of your process.
0: All right, here we go. Um, find physical goods versus digital goods to be more troublesome. Yeah, physical goods will kill you. They're really hard.
2: Um, unless you're focused on physical goods, uh, you should limit them very much and focus on quality over quantity, uh, and you'll be surprised at how many people don't want physical goods uh, in the first place. You think this reward's going to sell? A, it's going to draw a lot of interest. It doesn't. I think digital goods are where it's at for for game development. Unless you're making a physical game, and then I don't know what you're no. doing. And it's yeah. Outside. Of my
1: <laughs> what are you doing? If it's digital, uh, focus on digital rewards. Uh, our experiences was we tried to sell t shirts. No one wanted a t shirt. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not Did what you we're put doing. Your face on it. Uh no, it was just a t-shirt that we See, if you put your
0: face on it, then they'd want yeah, it. Yeah, that's you true, guys are man. so damn cute. Physical <laughs> 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 goods, too hard. Next question. Yeah. Okay. Uh Raspberry Game. Bam. Next question. Uh I've noticed a surprising number of backers changing their pledge either up or down during the campaign. Any ideas geared towards encouraging current backers to up their pledges? Yeah, we think this is huge. So one thing is a
2: pledge match drive can be really effective. If you can find community members that are willing to match pledges and in- in increased pledges and say like, I'll match a thousand dollars. Like they're already going to give a thousand dollars to the campaign. You, that can get a bunch of people to upgrade to encourage this backer to match. Um, the more people that are hyped about stretch goals, the more often they'll increase their pledges. It will happen a lot. You'll see a ton of churn in the campaign, like thousands of ups and downs. Don't look at it. Don't worry. Look at the end about the general trend upgrades are good. Downgrades are normal. Cancellations happen all the time. Like just don't get stressed about individual backers. Um, But as a trend, stretch goals will help people upgrade. Updates will help people upgrade. They'll see an update and go, this is amazing. I love this update. Plus $25. I'm up a reward tier. Having simple like level one, level two, level three, level four upgrade path where they're like good, greater, greatest, amazing. And having the gaps between the upgrades be not a hundred dollars, but something like fifty or sixty, where they can logically make that jump, that'll help people upgrade up your ladder of rewards. Andrew, anything else? I
1: would say uh, another thing is to spend, dedicate some of your your update time talking about how cool rewards are. Sometimes players don't know how you get something at a hundred dollars. How cool is it? You know, I just have a little blurb of text, but if you dedicate some time talking about it, that can be helpful to, you know, we, we did a number of those spotlight updates on certain things and saw a lot of, a lot of people jump to that tier. Alpha was a really big one.
2: Yep. Yep. You hype it for a whole update. People jump all over it now that they understand it better. Yeah. All right. That's
0: cool. More money. Oh, here we go. Do you see having a publisher and running a Kickstarter? Are mutually exclusive?
2: Not at all. I think uh, a a successful Kickstarter can help uh, get publishers interested. I think uh, publishers could advise you to run a Kickstarter. I don't know what it would be like having a publisher while you're running a Kickstarter. I don't see them as mutually exclusive, though. I've seen a lot and talked to a lot of studios that run Kickstarters and then find publishers. If your community is okay with it, I think that there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Yeah, and don't give your publisher any of your Kickstarter money, though. Like if that's something they want, don't do it.
1: And also don't let your publisher change your rewards in really big ways.
2: Yeah. Don't um, actually don't take much feedback from them about your
1: <laughs> just ignore them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah.
2: <laughs> I
1: don't know about that. But
2: I don't
0: Let's think see. it's mutually exclusive. I think you can do both. All right. Here's from Rotblush on YouTube. Where do you look for backers? The social media in which platforms?
1: Uh, so we always found a lot of success with Reddit is a, a really good place to be able to advertise. The ads are very affordable and you are really targetable. to By using subreddits and interests, you can really narrow down where you're putting your uh, advertisement. And we found that to be a very successful place to find people. Places like Facebook, if you have an advertising partner who has really honed a strategy about how to do ads and how to get them in front of people, Um, if you are a first time Facebook advertiser and you're like, Oh, I'll run some ads on there. I'm really going to get this in front of people. I would encourage you to find an advertising partner because it's the, some of the platforms are, make it very complicated. Reddit is uh, pretty simple for what you can, for the kind of the results you can get, but something like Facebook is much harder.
2: And there's a ton of, uh, there's like, don't overlook encouraging your community to share the project on small, small forums, um, we had a huge amount of traffic coming from mid-tier hosts where we said, hey, go to the forums that you're a native on, that you post on all the time, that you know RPG watch or uh, forum.droid something, I don't know, whatever whatever it is you're on. If you think the community's interested in cybernights, go post about it. We had a ton of traffic coming from those things that our backers were already parts of. Um, we saw good. We're in video games. and so We saw good uh, results from advertising on Board Game Geek. Uh, yeah, good one. Good, game, you know, they had a reasonable ad package that they managed for you. Uh, so it's a it's a mix. You have to go for places like Reddit, organic, Twitter, Facebook, uh, and then but don't overlook your community going and finding other backers on their platforms.
0: All right, let's see here. Uh, There was a raid from Kendra. Thank you so much for the raid. Sorry, I just saw that in the chat right now. Uh, From Guardian of Language, we're often told not to describe our games as a mix between specific other games. Does this apply when talking to regular people on Kickstarter as well?
1: I think that's, you know, on Kickstarter, you have an opportunity to pitch what you're doing uniquely. You have a couple of, you have a title and you have a short block after that and you have your 15, 20 seconds of an intro video. I would encourage you not to use that time as describing your game as a mix of other things. Then you have updates and a long Kickstarter thing and a longer video and if you think that's really helpful, if that's the the best way that you can think of kind of getting people to understand what you're trying to do, then yeah, but I would really I would encourage you to try to think about what you're doing that's unique and not just Try to say, well, I took these two labels and like mashed them together.
2: And I think if if your goal is to get a viewer to say, oh, that's 2D Dark Souls, that's great. Don't tell them it's 2D Dark Souls. Show them the things that make it obvious that you've made a 2D Dark Souls clone, even if it's just a role and in an invincibility frame, you know, showing them and expecting them to go, ah, this is 2D Dark Souls is fine. But opening with like bum-bum bum, 2D Dark Souls. <laughs> Not so much.
0: <laughs> I like two D Dark Souls type games. Okay, right. how do too. you? Who doesn't? I mean. but,
2: uh, but you don't describe them that way. You show me stuff that makes me want to play them. So.
0: Right, right. How do you recommend building community for a hyper casual game that will have a Kickstarter? Hyper casual folks may not be into gaming or typically backing Kickstarters.
2: I have no idea.
0: Weird, that's
1: not us. Sorry, our games are very crunchy, um, uh, very. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. That's why you
0: don't have hyper Star Traders Frontiers is not hyper casual. I mean, so, it's pretty casual, but it's not yeah, hyper casual. Right. <laughs> like, it's you need two hands. Yeah. yeah, here we go. Why is Star Traders Frontier the best game ever? It's because uh, of Estelle. Uh, she's yeah, the
1: uh... <laughs> uh, I think it, for me, Star Traders is the best game ever because you can play like 13 different careers in space, like Space Pirate, Space Spy, Space Bounty Hunter, and they're all really different actually different so i thought it was it more
0: like a 2d dark souls yeah right? uh,
1: yeah invincibility frame Huzzah! <laughs> the, 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 the hats are free the hats are free
2: because of our kickstarter backers we did not have to sell individual hats in the game and that is what makes it amazing thanks
0: backers <laughs> thanks. at what price should you replace getting digital code for the game okay so we uh would recommend that you don't do early bird and
1: don't deeply discount discount at a reasonable level, uh, you you are taking pre-orders. So if you're giving like a 60% discount on your game, that's pretty painful for you because you may get a lot of your first-time buyers into the game. I would highly recommend that if people want to you know, look at your price point for your game, what you think you're going to sell it, and look at a 20 to 40 maximum discount, mm-hmm. be reasonable. If you're,
2: if you're doing a $20 game, $15 digital code is great. You know yeah. they're they're getting a whole bunch of other stuff out of you as a creator you're going to support them and they're going to see the inside workings of it and they're going to get all the updates and be invited to the discord and-
1: believe i i think it, uh, another way to look at it is to believe in your game that if this is this is a pre-order service in some regards so give them a pre-order price if somebody loves your game they're willing to pre-order it if you have to bottom barrel discount your game to get them to back you like maybe be patient and don't go to kickstarter yet until you have something that's more attractive
0: i mean our, you our- know I, I remember back in the day where like you could pre-order a game and get it early but it costs you more mm-hmm. yeah, yeah the yeah. game I mean, would be 20 it. bucks but if you want to get it early it costs 30 Look at that. Yeah, I mean studios are doing that. The
2: enhanced digital edition and Mm -hmm. and all that's your higher rewards. You don't want the low reward to be like the game's 80% off. You want it to be a nice, reasonable, like not too much cheaper than they'd get it a couple years after it launched on Steam. That's what we
0: okay. Well, we are gonna have to go because our next session is gonna start. If you guys want to hang out with the Discord for a little bit, yep. That that would be effing awesome. Uh so if you guys go to discord.gg and go into the channel um, post sessions chat. That would be awesome,
1: Killer. Um, we'll see you there. Uh, we'll also mention our our Twitter trace at Trace Brothers for other indie game, awesome indie game dev advice, and check out our latest Kickstarter project, Cyber Knights Frontiers. yeah cybernates frontiers (laughs) and don't go
0: away because we've got two more (laughs) sessions coming up we've got uh how to make it as a freelancer the games industry with an amazing panel and then after that we have a fireside chant it's a special with victoria tran she is the community manager for among us that's gonna be awesome so stick around everybody thank you guys thanks